You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 95. Episode 95. So... I've had this idea for a while, Tyler, of doing like a poker road trip. So it's a, uh, I finally kind of have started to put some stuff together to do this because there's all these great poker rooms in Houston. Obviously, we've played the vast majority of them in Houston to know more more about them than most people, it seems like, because it seems like I just go to a lot more. It seems like everybody's kind of set in their ways. But there's a lot of great ones in Austin. There's a lot of great ones in San Antonio, Dallas, and all that. So I have started. I've gotten a. I've actually just uh, got a mattress for the Jeep Grand Cherokee and the set, so I can kind of make this a cheap trip. But I'm gonna start making these uh, some day, some kind of like weekly overnight trips to like San Antonio, Dallas, and Austin. We've been talking about this for a while. One room I'd like to see you check out would be the in Galveston. That'd be a pretty cool trip. That'd be a great... Actually, I was going to say I probably won't do this until the next... Until like about three weeks from now. I might do the da- the Galveston uh, next week. That's a great idea because that's only... I can do that as a one-day trip. Yeah, definitely. They have a poker room there because like I said, when I was in Galveston a few months ago, I saw they had you know just a room with one, one or two tables. But still, it'd be cool to go check it out. Give us uh, your feedback. Yeah, it's a. I like really seeing. I like meeting new people. I like uh, seeing uh, different rooms, how they run, what's the goods and bads of each one. So if anybody has a room that they go to, I'm gonna start venturing out, out outside of Texas as well at some point. And uh, if anybody has a room that they want me to check out, you know, put a put it on the podcast, leave a review, and all that. You can message us on the Instagram app, and I'll try to make it a priority over that. And uh, let you know when I'm going to be around there. Yeah, especially if someone has a suggestion. Because right now it's just kind of a crapshoot, right? <laughs> just oh, kind yeah. of whatever seems cool. Exactly. I'm going to look at like kind of the poker, like the, how uh, Texas goes is by Poker Atlas. So I'm just going to kind of look at the most popular rooms around in Poker Atlas. And that's kind of what's going to judge where I go. So, But I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where this goes. And like I say, I'll enjoy seeing the different places. So we'll kind of go there one question about the jeep and the the mattress so you obviously don't leave the car running do you with the ac on do you have like a portable fan or something or have you not gotten that far uh it's weather where i really don't have to right now it's a it's a little bit cooler weather so it should be very doable just to turn the car off uh i kind of got this idea off of a reddit there's something called like Prius dwellers where these people just kind of go around in their pre their little Priuses, which actually has a, uh, a backup battery that goes on standby mode and it will just kind of cool or heat the, the, uh, it'll turn the car on, not really turn it on, but just a, the part that, uh, cools or heats throughout the night to keep it cool or heated. And I was like, well, I could do this with the Jeep Grand Cherokee during really good months and just, you know and kind of go around and do that so but no the car won't be on i'm just gonna kind of keep the bare essentials type deal and like i say we'll see 
the more comfortable it is, the more I'm going to do it. I have no idea. have not tried this at all. So I could do one or two nights and be like, God damn, this is awful. Or it could be okay, and I do this quite often. So it's kind of an experiment as for this uh, road trip. We'll see how it goes. It could be just a horrid, horrid uh, experience, or it could be really good. But either way, I definitely want to check out some of these uh, poker rooms. I could definitely see you going to Oklahoma. So I've always wanted... Like, back when poker was illegal in Texas, I mean, you can say it's in a gray area or whatever, but when it was fully illegal, like, you'd look at, Winston, you'd look at like, the Louisiana rooms and stuff, and there'd be two or three uh, tables going. And then you'd look at Windstar, and there'd be, like, 30 tables. And I always wanted to go to, like, Windstar and take a look. Uh, and uh, that's going to be on my... I don't think it gets as much action now that Dallas has such a booming poker scene. But... I still want to go and see what it's like because it was kind of the place to go for a long time. Absolutely. Sorry. Jeez. Um, I guess we do have some interesting sessions to talk about, though. Yeah, we go because, okay, we got the private game we've got and the Paramount that we did, and then I also went to Capri over in Clear Light. I guess you want to talk about the private game first? Uh, yeah, let's go the private game and we'll kick it over to you. Cause I've got very little that happened in my uh, session. <laughs> um, so my first or not my first, but this is kind of an interesting hand that might lead to some, uh, a discussion I want to have with you. Um, I have pocket jacks on the button. It limps all the way around, comes back to me. I bet pretty big here. I raise to like 20, I believe. Okay. I get four callers okay um i don't remember the flop i know it was all unders but it did not make a straight it was like seven or eight high right so but at this game someone dogs into me for 50 and so okay so it goes check player bets 50 call i call then the player who checked calls, right? Okay. The turn brings in like what would be a very weird straight. Okay. But I, I did not think that anyone would have this straight, right? But there is now flush draw on board. Okay. Um, the first guy checks the original razor, bets. Um, how much did he bet? I want to say sixty-five. And then the next player goes all in for like three seventy five, and it's back on me. What what do you do here? I think this is a fold here. Uh, it seems like such a weird fold. Like you don't like what am I folding to other than like sets and weird two pairs and the weirdest straight possible. Well, I mean, it would have been like I think it would have been like four seven or something. Yeah, but. At this game, like people can have literally any two card. I mean, your your raise preflops not going to get anything out. Like, I mean, they're all the two pairs are available at this game here. Uh, all the sets are available. The weird straight is available. Uh, I think at this point, this is a fold. So what I'm thinking it over, it's one of those ones that like I'm thinking it over, but I already know what I'm going to do. Right. Just kind of like just thinking just for half a second. And I already see the guy to my left assembling his all-in chips. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is a fold. So I fold. It goes call, call for a three-way all-in. 
And I'm like, well, I obviously have to be no good here, right? Right. The river pairs the boards that I would have counterfeited any two pairs. And... It must have paired the board with the bottom pair, right? Uh, yes, a four. Okay. Um, and the hand that won was ace three for a pair of threes. The first all-in person was bluffing. The other guy had a straight draw. I mean, you want to talk about just the most result-oriented regret ever. Yeah, so... Okay, let's... Let me go a couple. Like, one, like, we didn't realize, like, one, it was a girl who was, uh, goes all in. Later, we realized she was betting with nothing the entire game. So, but this is early in the game to where we hadn't quite seen that yet. I think if you'd seen that before, this changes a lot. Oh, definitely. Uh, This is where I thought, like, I think once you get to the turn, it's an obvious fold because there's just too much available. Where I thought you might have played it differently is I think on this exact flop, did you think of raising the flop? In the moment, I didn't, just because after it goes donk and a call, I was thinking I might be overplaying my hand here. In the moment, what I thought, I mean, in hindsight, I like the raise just because then I would be pot committed and win this big pot, but... <laughs> yeah. Um... I don't know. It just, it to me, it, it I don't want to say it reeked of a set or two pair, but I just felt like I wasn't the raise didn't accomplish anything for me. I didn't think I'd get worse to call, and I also, I, in the moment, I did not. I just it, it didn't seem like an option for me. I, I mean, I think it could be used as at least in this game as value protection. I think there are some games that probably it is overplaying, uh, but on this one, I mean, for not for your since you were the preflop raiser, there's really no kings, aces, kings, or queens, right? Correct. No, like I said, I was more thinking weird two pair or a set. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things that if somebody has a set to my overpair, it's kind of, and once that person calls, it's kind of. The wheels are emotion. Yeah, I don't know. Like, once someone bets and that person calls, I think there's going to be a lot of... Like, I remember 10 was a top card. So, your jack's an overpair. I think you could bet raise here for value and protection, especially... Like, 50 wasn't a gigantic bet into the the pot either. Correct. So, I think that could have been done. I don't mind the call, obviously. But given the once I found the player dynamics, that changed everything. But oh. with the limited information I had at the moment, I had to fold. Oh, one hundred percent. Like once I saw the bottom pair card uh, pair, I was like, I think you're probably your jacks were probably good because I I knew you had to over pair uh, the way it was played because it just you, when you raise and you call there, uh, it seems like you're just kind of limited because there's not that many there weren't that many draws on this flop either. Yeah, which would made it even weirder just how the hand played out. Yeah. But here's I guess also the thinking of like the raise on the flop is that there's not many turn cards in a multi way pot that's gonna be good for you. <laughs> yeah, other than exactly a jack. Yeah, because it's uh 
either all of them are going to make kind of weird two pairs or straights, or they're going to be overcards to the jack. Talk about a weird dynamic. Whenever anyone can just be playing anything, and you just... I mean, are you just folding off your read of the person, I guess? I'm just actually... Well, on that game, I'm just reading the hand. Hand strength for pot for pot size, usually, is what I'm going with. Uh, but, uh, like, I do love the fold on the turn. Like, regardless of it not being the right fold at that exact moment, in general, I mean, trying to win a gigantic multi-way pot with one pair... Is I, I do like the fold at that point as as played. I like the how you played the turn. Well, that's good. I was sad in the moment, but it's all right. <laughs> oh yeah, we're all gonna be there a couple of times. I mean, uh, I tell you what, just be lucky that we have a game good enough that that can be a good a good hand there. Um, and then I guess the hand after that, I had um, Ace King. In the weirdest hand, so I raise big with ace king. Um, I believe it's just heads up. Yeah, I believe it was heads up, and I flop a king, and it's like king seven four. Um, with a flush draw. I'm thinking this is slam dunk, right? Uh, slam dunk, like, I mean, I mean bet, right? Yeah, it- yeah. Like, I mean, I'm obviously ahead. And I'm thinking I'm betting big here. I mean, I normally bet small here, but that's just our theories in general. Uh, you have more checks on your C bet. So you, when you bet, you should be actually uh, uh, betting bigger. So, yeah, I can see that. So I bet pretty big. I bet almost pot. And she calls. Um, the turn brings in a five, I believe. So it's four, five, seven, king. Okay. No flush. I bet a hundred. She ships it for four hundred. This is a tough one because this is another player who I was telling you could have any two cards here at this point. Uh, I like the fold here. I think just getting it, getting it. I think the check raise is really weird. Uh, I think I like the I like the fold in general. Uh, I just don't think it's the right move to try to get all your chips in for that much money on the turn. With that was probably some of the best advice you have given me when I started playing deeper stack, is that you can't just go all in with top pair top kicker for three or four hundred big blinds. Yeah. Uh, Against this player, I do think there's times you would have been right here, but I think I like the fold in general. Here's my problem, though, is you have this uh, rapport with these players. I've never played with them before, so I can only go off of the information I have in that exact moment, and it's that, you know, I got it shipped on me with Ace-King here. Even, I mean, and I think the information you're going on is probably the best one. I still think it's a fold. Like, it is a player who... I, I thought the check raise is just... Super weird because it's almost like she thought to raise in that moment or whatever, but I think you're just too weak here to to be calling. I mean, really, you're ho- you're hoping she just overplayed an ace to no end if you're making this call, right? Which is just, I mean, super thin. Yeah, I, I, this is one of those that I I definitely think uh, I like your fold here. It's just too it's too much money for too weak of a hand. 
And I believe I overheard her talking about the hand later saying that she had the straight. Uh yeah, and that's a uh, and that's a gr- yeah good fold, and I'm glad to I'm glad you heard that, so we kind of get an idea that it was the correct fold. I mean, that's what I heard. I'm hoping they were talking about that hand. <laughs> you know, we're assuming they were. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, one of the big exploits, and like I got this from uh, that book. I was always quote the course. Yeah, is I, said, it, I know the name of it. Yeah, <laughs> Tyler's like I didn't even read it, and I know the name of it. Uh, is one of the big exploits is people don't bluff enough. So you sh- we sh- should be overfolding to big bets, especially in like these private games. Um, it seems like I don't want to say it definitely seems like there's that certain player type that's never raising without a made hand. Uh. Like, there yeah. are those action players who will raise a bunch pre-flop and do crazy things. But then there's a different type player type that you kind of get that isn't shipping it on the turn with a draw. Yeah. That obviously uh, is better than top pair, top kicker. You don't think that player falls in that category? I guess I, I, think, I haven't seen her play, so. I think, well, yeah, I don't think this, like, I think where you're getting, like, I think a lot of these players might bet, like, draws like that here and there. But where I think you're getting is like no, I think very few of them are going to do like big river bets and stuff. But I still think no one's doing that with a draw on the turn with that amount of chips. Well, that's what so, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, which is what makes it an easier fold. Yeah, so I think a lot of times they're doing like smaller bets, which I mean you see kind of like recreational players do. I mean, <laughs> it sounded like you're arguing my point and then just proved it right. <laughs> but well, I was gonna say like. <laughs> Like, I think a lot of recreational players will, like, bluff draws. But, like, one thing I noticed, like, you and, like, more, not recreational, I guess more profitable players, let's put it that way. Not pros, but, like, profitable versus a recreational player that's a losing player. Like, you'll ship gigantic bets on with a, like, on the river. And I don't, that, my, my thinking was, I don't, you won't see them do that, but you'll see them bet draws more often. Was my uh, was what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Correct, but there's a whole different thing in betting a draw or shipping it all in for four and a half x the bet. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, that is a good point. Which is that's what I'm saying. The exploit is folding to that. Yeah. So I mean, what we're so what we're really saying is sizing is is really pay attention to the sizing with these players and recreational players. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's weird. It's like we were saying the same thing just very differently. Nah, that's going to happen at 3 in the morning. <laughs> I mean, it's 4.30. But <laughs> um, but that was basically the only interesting hands. My, my topic I want to talk to you about was just that exploitative folding to those gigantic bets like that. Yeah, that's a... Well, I mean, because you, th- like, you think you this was a winning session for you, and if that if you make that call, that light call there, I, that's what changes everything. Oh, 100%. So it's a, uh, but yeah, those, because I mean, you have to find these exploits, and that's, I think, just a super easy exploit is like when there's a ton of players at a recreational level that have not one bluff in their range. They're betting just their made hands. So... Well, here's something kind of interesting. I'm not going to go over it with you just because nothing really happened, but I made quads twice in one session. That was pretty awesome. I mean, one, I kind of just kind of just messed it up just because I bet too big whenever I turned the quads. Right. Just because I had... So basically, it was the board was 6-6, six, six, king, king, and I had pocket kings. But what am I hoping to get action from the six? I mean, it just... 
I mean, I don't remember the exactly the hand played out. I just remember afterward being like, not great. I mean, <laughs> when you're having, well, yeah, when you have quads, it's super hard to get action. When you have top quads, even harder. <laughs> yeah. So those are basically the only interesting hands I had. Um, I mean, I got it into with that action guy where I had a set of jacks and rivered quads, but we got all in on the flop. Um, he just had top pair, top kicker. Oh, I remember that. Because he's like, you got so lucky when you had him, like, drawing dead when y'all got it all in. And you yeah, just hit quads. I was but... like, eh, I got lucky flopping a set, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, I, I got lucky having the best hand pre-flop and flop. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you don't really say any of that to the, I mean, that's the player you need in that game. That's true. That's a good point. Well, I've noticed other people commenting on it, and I, I kind of found it funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I guess, and you you had a few hands, or not, I guess just the bomb pot one, right? I'm going to go ahead and just be honest with the listeners. I dropped the ball, and, like, the notes were bad. Uh, I will say I won a pretty big bomb pot where I called very light. Uh so here's what makes this one so interesting, though, is you made this light call in a three-way pot, and it went, the guy pots it all in for like $600 or something ridiculous, and you saw an action behind you, and you made the call, which in the moment was awesome. It had me worried, but... <laughs> I, uh. Well, okay, here's here's my thinking that goes into this. So in this bomb pot, nothing he pots it on the river and I have two pair and two pair. And neither are usually are super nutted. I think one is top two pair. Uh if he has King Queen Jack, he scoops me. And he would have turned. He would have rivered. He would have rivered a, a straight on both boards. Uh, when he bet the pot, he. I mean, he was in for seven hundred, but I only had about three fifty or four hundred. I thought it was way more than that. I thought it was a way bigger river bet. Mm, well, he potted. It, he it was, but I. But I only had like three fifty to four hundred. Oh, I thought you were saying you started the hand with four hundred. No, I okay. had it on the okay. river. Now we're okay. I thought you were yeah. just saying that you started with four hundred. I was like, it seemed like it was a way bigger pot, but okay. So the pot is seven hundred, and it's outside of one exact hand, like a PLO hand, where he has a, where he hits a straight on both boards, which is pretty hard to do. It's unlikely. I've got. Most likely, I'm at least going to have almost always one of these boards. Uh, and getting now one to three, because obviously his 700 does not matter, but it's just his 350 that goes into the pot that has me covered. It was it was a very close call that could have screwed me, but I felt like getting one to three... And only being scared of one exact hand, it was worth it. The player behind me was a problem. Yeah, see, that's what I, I mean. If that guy just snap calls, you're just crying. Yeah, it's a because I mean, if they're not playing the same board, then I'm then I'm pretty screwed here. I mean, even if they are playing the same board, you still might be. Uh, <laughs> now that player did check behind check before he went all in. 
So that player almost never has the nuts on one board, which is going to make that a very tough call. Uh, and that player played fairly passively the entire way down and then checked the river. Uh, that's why I... Say, it definitely doesn't seem like a nutted hand. Yeah, so I was... So at that point, I... Like I say, all that came into play. It was it was a very close call that could have screwed me, but it ended up going my way. But ended up at the private game up 460. Not a lot of notes on the Hold'em hands. That is my bad. But it was, you know, some days that's going to happen. <laughs> it's weird because we used to have such great notes where we didn't play at the same table. And lately we've been playing at the same table. And it, like I was telling you, it seems so weird because how we keep our notes is we text each other. But... It seems so weird for you to watch me play a hand and then me just text you the hand. Yeah. But, I mean, it seems like something we got to do. But it just, it, it's, it feels weird at the moment. Well, even when we've been doing the podcast this long, it seems like when we have this super memorable hand at the moment, like you're going to remember it later. And guess what? You never do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never enough to go over it on a podcast. I mean, which. If you're listening to this and you've never done a podcast or YouTube video or anything, you will think that there's just no way you're going to remember it, but you just don't to that detail. Because I, before I did a podcast, I'd been like, no, I'm going to re- I'm never going to forget these freaking hands. I can recount them to no end. And then you're like, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I got quads twice and can't even remember what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so it was... Uh, but yeah, I was glad. Here's the big takeaway. I was. It's been a long time since me and you had a played together and both had a pretty decent winning session. Cause yeah, very nice. I mean, only took you know an act of God to bring all the right players together. <laughs> but <laughs> just just had to be us playing at this game, and uh, it was a. Uh, so because I was at them for like a buy-in and a, I won like a buy-in and a half, and I know you had a pretty good session too. I think I won a little bit over buy-in. So yeah, we uh, so I was that was really nice for us to both uh, come out smelling like roses on this one. I have an interesting situation for you that you were not at the table to see today. Okay. So I'm in a PLO hand, right? I'm. I know it's time to leave. I'm playing a hand I shouldn't play. I river the nuts with six four. Okay. First player bets who has no idea what's going on. First time ever playing in a poker room. He bets 25. I go all in for 130. The player behind me, there's three players in his hand, says call and throws in 25. I point at my stack. I tell him I'm all in. You know, I don't know what, what you're up to. Um, he said he was only trying to call the 25, even though he said call and threw chips in. So they bring the floor over, and the floor says he can just surrender his 25 and not call. And, um, yeah, me and the other guy chopped with 6-4. Turns out I'm playing the exact same hand as someone who's never played before. So that's not great. But y'all should have been chopping that other guy's stack because he went in there and he uh, he flipped a chip in him and said call. Oh, yeah, he threw the chips and said call. Yep. This is a bad call on the floor. I mean, yeah. right? I mean, if once the guy puts a chip in and says call, that, I mean, that's a stack. I mean, I don't know. Did they give a reasoning? Because there, there's no way you can justify this being a call and not an all-in. <laughs> he didn't mean to. That was 
I mean, that's not... I mean... So, I guess, we're not going to talk about, like, where this was, I guess, because, I mean, no reason to put it out, but it is a poker room that kind of caters to, like, lower limit and beginner players, but I do feel like there's a limit here. When you're in a cash game, I mean, this is one of those things. How much did he have behind? Oh, I mean, he covered us by a ton. I mean, I was all in for 130. He had probably three or 400 behind. And the other guy had less than me. When Was he one of the regs there? Very heavy reg. I mean, it's just a bad call on the floor. I mean, this is something where y'all should, you should have this stack here. This is... Uh, and I'm pretty sure the dealer knew that. That's why he called the floor. Yeah. So... Oh, 100%. I mean, the dealer did the right thing when he calls the floor over. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely agree with what the dealer did there. This is a place where we come up with the... This is the only place where I see situation after situation get called wrong. And it's one of my favorite poker rooms. But it's... uh, Yeah, I forgot you didn't see that hand. Yeah, that's a pretty... That's a pretty detrimental... And... They know better. I mean, here's the thing is, what's really annoying is they know what the right call is, and they just don't want to make an unpopular decision. Yeah. Because I know you're not going to – I'm assuming you didn't throw a ruckus or anything. No. I so, mean, you were, you were in earshot. You heard no ruckus. Yeah. I mean, I was I was over shooting pool or whatever, and I would have I did would have heard. But they know you're – a decent enough, you know, guy or human being that you're not going to just throw a fit or anything. So they're just going to go with the not being the unpopular. This is a horrible call. I am shocked. I, I, I'm shocked you didn't tell me this, like, right after we played. Well, got to have some content for the podcast. This, uh, I tell you what, this is good content. <laughs> uh, here's a question. Does it ever... Because we've been playing at the same room for a while. There's been a lot of bad calls at the room. It tends to be one of my favorite places to play. Does it ever be like, well, at some point you just quit playing at the room? Or at least not play as much? Probably not. I guess it happens so... Even though I see bad call after bad call, the chances of it happening to you is only like one out of... I mean, they're only going to make a bad call, I guess, one out of every four or five times you're there. And then it has to be happened to exactly you. So I guess it really doesn't change the EV that much. But, I mean, just shocking on this. Yeah, and I mean, this one, you know, like I said, I was only all in for 100 It would have been 100 more dollars that I'm chopping anyway. So it was a $50 swing for me. But um, Okay, that makes... So here's a question. Do you cause more of a ruckus if you have more behind you? I mean, this locations made an error before to where that cost me like $700. And that was a little bit more depressing. Did but, you, did you, did you put up a fight? A I mean, there's not much fight. Uh, what happened was, um, I was playing against a super, uh, I mean, what is called whale fish donkey, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, just calling everything. We're playing super deep stacked and we're on a double board pillow hand or whatever. And I pot the flop, pot the turn and then before I can um, 
like I said, pop, but before I, he could call or anything, the dealer put the river out. Oh, I remember that. I, this was a long time. I still remember this. Yeah, and then the guy was on a uh, flush draw on both boards, so it just folded and didn't lose any money. Because that was going to put them all in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess at this point, it's almost on us. for We just keep playing in the same place. It makes bad that call after bad my call. Thing. I'm going to be like, is there ever a point where we don't play that? I'm like, doesn't seem like it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Clint's like, so, I'm going to play there next week, too. Who's already mean, talking about it, so. I guess there's, if it's close by. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, you do see uh, bad calls everywhere to a degree. But I will say, there's nothing been close to this one. So, it's a, uh, oh, like, to this location. Well, the problem with this call that today, when it happened, was, like you said, they're aware of the right call and just don't want to make it. Right? Because we've been at other poker rooms where the floor... Is kind of out to lunch and doesn't really know the rule, right? Right. We we we've seen that too, where they just seem to be uninformed. And you know, in that situation, they're trying their best. It's just, you know, so it's just a little different dynamic with that. Yeah, that's uh, I think that's probably the more annoying, like because you like you said, it's not a lot of money in the situation. But the thing is, is it could be a lot of money in the situation, and I mean. Are they going to – and here's the other question is, does it based on the other person? Because I feel like if you did the same thing, there's a bigger chance they would make you pay the rest of, rest of it. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's uh, So, I don't know. It's – well, like I say, I mean, you just got to go with the – I mean, like, like I say, a little bit on us. If you see bad call after bad call and you keep playing at the same place, then at that point, a little bit of it's on you. So, <laughs> for the end of the podcast, we should talk about when that guy tried to chop the blind. <laughs> oh God! I'll let you tell the story. Uh, so everybody knows, like, is we're playing shorthanded, and the vast majority of people, when it comes to small blind, big blind, are going to chop the blinds. This is more just a thing of like Vegas and L.A., where it's like you're being raked, so there's no reason to. Texas, there's no reason to ever chop the blinds. I mean, I guess the big reasoning would be people are like, well, it's just not worth the amount of money. But I don't know. Is Heads up poker, it actually should be. You should be playing these. I will not chop the blinds when it's like six-handed or less. Which it was. It was. Tyler won't chop the blinds just because he's a dick. He doesn't matter if it's a ten people at the table. Well, no, I've chopped the blinds. I um, never see you chop the blinds. Yeah, not not with you. I mean, <laughs> I feel like this is the lie of all lies. So this, I've, I've chopped the blinds before, maybe once. <laughs> it's a uh, but uh, this guy. So it comes around. We're playing six handed. The guy, uh, the guy's like, "You want to chop?" And Tyler's like, "Well, we're only six handed. Let's play it." He's like, "Well, I always chop." Tyler's like, "Man." Eh. We're going to play it. Well, the guy just mucks his hand. I mean, it's the most awkward thing ever because the guy mucks his hand, kind of acts like he's going to get his dollar back. And then Tyler just holds out his hand like he's about to catch a pitch. He's like, I didn't chop. Yeah. It's a, just a, the most awkward situation. But, well, good for you for standing your ground. Yeah, and then you came and took that dollar from me 10 minutes later. I needed a tip for my drink. <laughs> 
I'm out here hustling for these dollars, including just begging on the side of the rail. <laughs> I mean, when you need a dollar, you need a dollar. It's a, uh, uh, she came and got me, gave me a drink. I was already cashed out. All I had is 20, a 20 and a hundreds. Seemed kind of weird to pay $20 for my Coke Zero. I'm going to ask you for a dollar. I mean, you'd be a favorite, favorite player in the room. <laughs> uh, so that session was kind of interesting. Like, you had several interesting hands, I thought, in that session. Uh, How'd you like that seven-deuce bluff? When the guy's like, will you show it if I fold? I'm like, oh, thank God. I love when they say that. I'm like, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. He's, get bets. The guy looks kind of pain. Like, ask Tyler, will you show it? And then Tyler's like, sure. <laughs> and then I, was, I told him, I was like, you were, you were getting shown that no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny if he was like, it's kind of worse that you showed. He's like, I don't feel as good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's kind of, yeah. <laughs> that's the nature of it. So, uh, but, uh. Yeah, he's like, you already bluffed me before. You can't bluff me again. I'm like, that is not what you want to hear when you're bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, then he's like, well, if I fold will you show, I'm like, that's what I want to hear. That's the spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, that was pretty funny. That's. <laughs> But it's a. Someone's asking, are we playing the Do 7 game? I'm like, Tyler's always playing the Do 7 game. I mean, he's never getting money for it, but he's always playing it. Yeah, well, I mean, that basically covers all my hands and sessions. I mean, we're the weird players were both probably going to play a lot tomorrow, but it doesn't help us today with content for this podcast. Yeah, I mean, the only hand I had that through that session was a. Uh, Eight nine of hearts. I raise. I was card dead as hell this session. I raise uh, eight nine of hearts. It gets called uh, from a player and then from Tyler. I flop double gutted and I bet. I bet small. Get a call. It's a jack high board and I uh, I spike the the nut straight on the turn. He checks. I bet 40, which was two-thirds pot. Yeah, but I didn't he, realize he actually had exactly 40. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. Why I had A6 suited of hearts at hand, but that guy was so short, I thought there'd be no point to raise pre-flop. Uh, once, you, once you said after, like he, uh, that he a lot of times might just ship it on you, I was like, well, that, well, especially with the hand he had, he should have been shipping it. I mean, he had King Jack suited, which was a we- kind of a weird limp. Uh but the guy calls and I end up I end up uh, stacking him for a very small stack. I end up basically after time I lost like ten dollars a session. So uh, oh, I lost Ace King versus Pocket Queens. I had Pocket Queens. That was a bummer. But I mean, it seems like we're really just picking at straws here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, not the, I don't want to talk about it. So let's end this thing. Well, <laughs> anytime I lose a flip, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's more fun when you win those flips, man. Uh, we lead with it then. But on that note, this concludes the Tex Wilker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.